Conventionally Happy New Year to everybody. First episode of 2023. We're going to talk about that uh, phrase, break it down a little bit, and then talk about uh, some things uh, that are connected to it for moving on and making the best uh, year, right, for success and all that. So I'll talk to you as soon as we officially get started here on Kuden. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us Concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world. How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kudan Radio, real training for real people in a real world. And unless you've been under a rock for a while, you know that that's what we've been saying every episode. Anyway, uh, that's John Miller here, uh, Warrior Concepts, Kuden Radio. Uh, if that, you don't know who I am, then either you're new or you're in the wrong place. So make an adjustment from there. Anyway, all right, so this is our official first episode uh, for 2023. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, this is, uh, what are we, uh, January 2nd of 2023. We're uh, recording this live. So for those of you listening on in the future, well, then you know where it is. Anyway, right, so uh, what I typically do this time of year uh, with my inner circle guys, so I'm kind of doing it here, and I'm going to do a different lesson from that for them this week. But um, we typically take a look at this phrase, right, this, this Japanese phrase for the new year. Now, there are actually several phrases, depending on whether you're wishing somebody a happy new year leading up to it. Right. So the Japanese actually have a different phrase for leading up to right, telling somebody, you know, um, hope you have a good new year. Uh, there's there's something you could say on the actual day, whatever. This phrase that we're going to be taking a look at, excuse me, is something that um, I tend to see as being connected to uh, the the well wishes for prosperity and, and those kind of things. Right. But to look at it. Um, you know, again, if, if you're doing the cheap, I, I call it the cheap Berlitz translation version, right? And all of my Japanese uh, tutors have always said, stay away from that program, right? Um, it's kind of, uh, what did one call it? Uh, the the uh, sailor's version of the Japanese language, if you know what I'm saying, right? So um, it, Japanese comes in different uh, different formalities, right? There's five different levels uh, when you're learning to speak Japanese. And you got everything from gutter speak to all the way to uh, highest politeness level, right? Typically, if you're learning at level three, you'll be okay, right? Uh, traveling in Japan, it's kind of a neutral kind of thing, but it can be a little bit um, too familiar for some context. But the Japanese will overlook it because you're, you know, you're a foreigner, you're gaijin, you're a tourist kind of thing, right? Um, but anyway, so there's this, there's this one particular phrase, right, that you'll see a lot. Akimaste omete gozaimasu, okay? And again, Westerners who want to jump on things um, for easy, right? I've always said if I could have a drive-up window uh, system in my martial arts school, I'd have way more students, right? Um, but, you know, we'd have to... I don't 
don't know, charge him at the first window, second window, kick him or punch him or do whatever the technique is and give him the video and say, see you next class, right? Because you're always looking for quick and easy. Um, in, in fact, there's a saying in Japan when it comes to uh, buying things, right? The stuff that's exported is never the same quality of what you're going to get in Japan. Um, people kind of gotten used to, military especially, right, got used to going to different countries and buying the brand name thing that we get back home, thinking they're going to get it cheaper. And when they get there and they go to, like, uh, uh, it's known as Electric City. It's a, one of the regions in the Tokyo metropolitan area where you get all your electronics and stuff like that, right? Uh, I think it's Akihabara, I, th- I think. Anyway, um, uh, what they find is that it's the same price or higher, often higher. And uh, the reason for that is um, the Japanese export lower quality kind of things uh, at a cheaper competitive price in the States and things like that. But the saying, and I think the same goes for uh, Canada and, and most places anyway, but um, the, the saying is that Americans won't pay full price for anything. So they're they're not giving you the top line kind of thing, no matter what a lot of people's mentality is, right? Well, like, I can get the same thing there, but it's like a third the price. Now, you can buy something that will suffice for a third the price, but it's not the same, right? You'll be replacing it more often. Uh, if you're thinking you're getting the same bells and whistles and all that, you're not. And even if it has the same labels and, and telling you it's getting the same features, the quality of the programming of the device, of the of the materials and all that, it's just, I mean, there's only one way to price something cheaper and get, you know, um, and, and, and get a certain price level. And that is the quality of materials all the way through the manufacturing process have to be cheaper, right? So, um, and cheap is cheap, right? Now, that being said, we'll get away from that. Um, so this, this akemaste ometo, again, Westerners tend to jump on the easiest, right? Uh, I remember having some students that, I'd be teaching them how to say please and thank you in Japanese, right? And so, you know, on the Aishimas, right? Please assist me. Please help me with something. Please uh, give me that thing, right? On the Aishimas, right? Please. It's one of many ways to say please in Japanese. I didn't mean to make that rhyme. Anyway, right? So there's another way to say please in Japanese. Dozo, right? Dozo, right? So people will look at this. Again, you know, if they've got a Berlitz book or, you know, one of these little cheap books or whatever where you get, like, you know, a couple of quick translations for something as opposed to, you know, some of these bigger volumes that I have. Um, uh, they'll say, well, why can't I just say dozo, right? It's just easier. Yeah, but the context is different, okay? Dozo is please accept this. Please take this. Please accept my help, that kind of thing, right? It's not the same, right? To us, please is please, but it's different, right? Okay. Only Ashimas is contextual. Dozo is contextual. Sumimasen, contextual. Sumimasen, contextual. Right. So uh, it's just different. Right. So anyway, again, here's this conventional thing. And, um, you know, a lot of the Japanese, uh, if they're learning English, it's a quick translation. So people will often stop there. Right. So this contact, the, the idea is lazy. Right. So, um, uh, but if you really dive into it, right, there's a whole history behind this phrase and where it came from, right? 
So I really want to start with that because, again, the way we define something, and I tell my students about this as well, right? The way you define something is going to going to determine how you act, think, speak, plan, or whatever, all the way around that, okay? I don't care if that's a kata or your martial art in general or the teacher-student relationship or any other relationship, right? Marriage, your your idea of what your job definition is or whatever, right? That definition, the way you think about something, right? Perspective. It's the first of the noble eightfold path, right? Right view, right perspective, that kind of thing, right? The whole idea is the way you, your belief about something, your definition of it, right? Creates by nature, creates a, a ceiling. It creates a, a, a bottleneck. It creates a, a, a limitation, right? So, um, and this goes for, um, I was just uh, training with one of my uh, business mentors, uh, and they were talking about this idea, right? That, you know, people will do, be doing whatever, right? It could be education, it could be business, it could be martial arts or whatever, right? So there's a certain, there's a certain process that you go through to get to a certain level, right? So a certain way that you train or there's certain lessons that you study or there's a certain level of commitment and focus and whatnot that has to be has to go in there. Right. Uh, in a business or on a team. Right. Sports team or whatever. Right. There's a certain what ends up happening is all the members develop a certain belief system and and way of doing things and processes and all that. Right. But eventually that will plateau. Right. And no amount of. Well, you can get little tweaks, right? But no amount of doing more, doing faster, doing harder produces any more results. It can actually start to cripple, right? It'll actually start to cripple. And the reason for that is the beliefs and the activity and all that kind of stuff can only get you to a certain level that's the epitome of that definition, that belief system, okay? To move on, it has to change and it's hard enough for us to change for ourselves. But if you're on a team at work, uh, whatever, right? It becomes even harder because now unless you change the belief system processes, focal point, all that kind of stuff for everybody on the team or in the relationship or whatever it is, nothing's going to change. Well, what'll change is you getting more and more exhausted producing little to no results and there aren't major gains, right? It's the same thing with our training, all that stuff, right? So um, what's important is to understand, right, where things are going. So again, right, here's this basic translation, basic definition, right? Um, it's also why people at third Don are still doing their white belt techniques or their, their second level techniques or whatever, the exact same way they learned them, right? because they never updated them with the new lessons, new principles, new concepts, nothing, right? So instead of becoming the master that you were idolizing or, you know, that you were visualizing or whatever, right? Um, what you just become is a really, really, really good disciple and a really, 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 really good copy of a, a beginner to intermediate student, right? I'm not saying people don't have skills, Right. But you don't become a Hatsumi. You don't become a Rembrandt. You don't become uh, Madame Curie or an Einstein by 
continuing to do the same things that everybody else does the same way everybody else does it. It just doesn't work that way, right? So anyway, right, um, again, to a lot of people, I'm just anal, right? I'm too particular. I'm too whatever, okay? Then my suggestion is either get into a different program that I have going on where I let 90% of things skate, right, because you're just looking for the the alternate you're looking to for the equivalent martial arts equivalent to going to the um, the amusement park for the day right you're not going to be a smash up derby driver right but you can hop in the bumper cars a couple of times during that day right but you're not you understand right you're not going to be whatever right you're not going to be a cave explorer but you can go into the haunted house or you can go into the whatever amusement they have going on, right? Because that's really what you're looking for, right? If I pay this amount of money, I can have these little entertaining amusement uh, diversions or escapes from my life, right? But it's not the same, okay? It's not the same, but people jump on the martial arts that way, right? So they don't want somebody to be too picky. They want to be patted on the head and told that they're always right and, and they're the, the prodigy or the prodigal son, or prodigal daughter or whatever, right? Nobody understands it better than you, right? My Japanese teachers have done that as well, right? And I call them on it, but then they always say, oh, see, Sensei, Jepson, you will really understand. I'm going to stop talking to you because you keep doing it, <laughs> right? Okay. Anyway, so um, we can rest on a basic translation, right? That means uh, Happy New Year in Japanese. It's said around the New Year's, right? But this is a phrase that's used up to like the first two weeks in January and only in January because the Japanese have adopted the Western Gregorian calendar system. This is actually a phrase that went to the lunar cycle closer to what we would call the Chinese New Year. We always have a Chinese New Year's party at the, at the dojo um, to kind of educate the students a little bit more about these little things and cultural things and things like that, right? But it goes to that, which also goes to agriculture, which also goes to, you know, wishes and, and plans and prayers and all that kind of stuff that are associated with that time of year. Interesting, huh? Anyway, so um, what I would like to do is just break this down, and then we're going to take a look at a, uh, another related system. Well, not related system, a system that's related to our Sanmitsu, our triple secrets for success, okay? Um, we'll, we'll start with that, we'll jump into this other thing that's a little bit more expanded that is very Japanese, right? Um, although a lot of Western businesses believe that it was made up in Texas or whatever, right? But it's actually this, this imported process, the system for co continual improvement, continual development, right? So it's just, it's our Sanmitsu with an extra piece in there, right? So we're going to take a look at that. We're going to take a look at this idea of reviewing uh, process or progress. We're going to take a look at the idea of redoing things, right? And this idea of next steps. I just thought that this time of year would be a really good time to do something like that. But in all reality, right, this doesn't have to be a beginning of January thing. This can be any time we have given ourselves the proverbial kick in the ass and we're going to up our game, right? And that's really what this is about, okay? So, Akemaste, right? We're going to break this thing down. Akemaste, omete do gozaimasu, right? Um, if you've been related or connected to me and you've done testing or you've, uh, you know, gotten some kind of an advancement or whatever, right? Um, 
when I hand the certificate or I do whatever it is I'm doing, right, um, you will hear me say, Omete do okay? Omete to gozaimasu, okay? Which conventionally means congratulations, okay? In English, again, it's, here's another one of those little brief things, right? Gozaimasu makes something really, really formal, okay? So, domo arigato gozaimasu, right? Thank you very much, okay? Uh, or thank you indeed <laughs> very much. It's really rough, right? So you could say domo arigato, right? Thank you. You could say arigato, thanks. You could say domo, indeed, which is kind of an idea of this, uh, you know, connection kind of thing, right? Um, there's a whole bunch of other words too. But omete de gozaimasu is this, um, like a, it's like a congratulations. It's like a celebration kind of thing, right? I'm going to break down omete do here in, in just a minute, okay? But let's move to the first word, akemaste, okay? Akemaste is a conjugated verb, okay? It all goes to the verb akeru, okay? Or akemas if you want to take that part of it, right? But mas, masu, right? Make something uh, more polite, okay? So what we're really going to look at is the root verb, akeru, okay? A-K-E-R-U for those of you who are spelling out in Romaji, okay? So akeru means to open to unlock, uh, it can mean to dawn, like a new day kind of thing, right? It, it's broken, right? It's, uh, it's, it's started kind of thing, right? It's different than hajime, right? Or, or hajiru, right? This, this idea of starting something, beginning something, right? But it's like the start of a new day, right? So dawning, uh, opening, unlocking, that kind of thing, right? So if we look at that, from the perspective of, I have this this gift, I have this treasure chest, I have this box, right? And I'm opening it, right? I'm unlocking it. I, you get the idea, right? It's more than just like starting again, right? It's like there's a, there's a whole um, akiru can also mean unpacking. Right. So here's this thing. Right. We're going to unpack it. But doesn't that already kind of point to the fact or point to the idea that there's something there more than a wish, more than a New Year's resolution, more than whatever. Right. There's something there's something there. Right. So we're going to open this thing. So it's it can be seen as like a new beginning. It can be seen as a. All right. Let's take our stuff out here. Let's. Right. But there's almost like a reviewing or an assessment or a um, an inventory that actually has to come first, right? Before you start to do something with it, right? Like what's in the box kind of thing, right? So the well-wishing, right? And again, this is done for like the first couple of days to up to two weeks into January, right? Because it's also a past tense kind of thing, right? So here's a celebration. Right. Congratulations for opening or unlocking or unpacking or starting right a new year. So for those Japanese who would translate things a little bit more deeply than just, oh, it's just it's just a happy new year. Right. Um, they would tell you that it's more like 
congratulations on beginning the new year safely or something like that, right? Congratulations. Here's, here's, here's one that, that somebody told me, right? Congratulations on making it. A lot of people didn't. Okay. Here you've got a new start, a dawning of a new year, right? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to make of it? Okay. Now, this is also borrowing something from that, that second word, omedito. Because you might hear just somebody just say, uh, akemashite, omedito. Okay. My friends who use Japanese, right, will just say, akemashite, omedito. Right. They don't add the gozaimasu. Okay. Gozaimasu makes it more formal. Okay. So if I were saying this to my, even when I say it to my students, right, um, I just, I tend to lean toward more formal or more polite than just more familiar, but friends. I, I've had friends that, that posted things uh, to me and whatnot, and they use the Japanese, so they say, Akimashite omedito, right? We don't need the gozaimasu because it's not politeness level four or five, whatever, right? It's just familiar, okay? So we're going to leave gozaimasu off on its own, okay? It's, it's again, like making something just extra formal, right? Um, but omedito, okay? Omedito. Uh, can also mean congratulations, right? Omedito, right? Um, but omedito can be broken down into three kanji. Ome, de, and to. Okay? Collectively, right, these kanji point to this idea of, uh, it's almost like a prayer or a wish, right? That I'm wishing or hoping or praying, right, that your crops uh, germinate, right? That uh, I'm, I'm, I hope that your sprouts sprout, right? I mean, there's no good way of translating this into English, right? But you, if, if I'm a farmer and I'm talking to you, right, and you've planted seeds, right, then I hope that they sprout. I hope that they grow. I hope that you have a good harvest kind of thing, okay? Because, again, this would have gone to... Um, uh, the the lunar cycle, right? The whole agricultural kind of thing. So it's it's more connected to what we would again today call the Chinese New Year. The Japanese still have festivals around that time, but generally speaking, as a society, they've adopted Western calendar. So um, it again, this throws a lot of people off because we're we're saying this not at the winter solstice where things start to break and head towards spring. We're saying at the dead of winter. Right, which somebody had a good idea a couple hundred years ago, and you know, because you know, they just want to make a change, right? Get away from pagan things, you know, whatever, right? So, anyway, so here's this idea, right, of of an an, an opening, right? Here's this new opportunity, right? You can unlock, unpackage, whatever, right? And then it's attached to this idea. Right. When I'm saying it to somebody. Right. One, congratulations. You made it. You have a new opportunity. Right. And at the same time, I'm saying, I hope that the seeds that you plant. Sprout. I hope that they grow. I hope that they produce the success. That's that's the vision behind why the hell you're planting the seeds. Okay. But in the West, we we don't do that, right? We just, well, what's your New Year's resolution? And we know how that works out, right? Which is why, like, uh, this weekend coming up is our 
it's our dichomiosci, which is, I, 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 again, I, I let everybody know, right? I do my dichomiosci in January because everybody in their freaking ninja brother, Bujigan brother or whatever, is having dichomiosci at the same freaking time, right? It was a good idea way back in the 80s. But now everybody and their brother wants to have their own dichomiosci seminar. So then they complain because attendance is less and less and less and less. Well, it's because everybody's fighting over the same damn students, right? So I would rather have mine connected more to something because, you know, it's one celebration of the great cosmic light. Uh, but what it ends up being now is a belated birthday recognition and celebration to Hatsumi Sensei, but I've tied it more to this, like this, the same idea, right? A moving forward, right? Um, coincidentally, my birthday happens to be the same weekend, but it's, it's not about that. It's about, right? What I've done is shifted it. So now it's more about vision, right? Dichomio, great light, great cosmic light which points to this idea of enlightenment, wisdom, right? So I've moved it to a point that most of us see as a way to, right, set new resolutions, to realign our vision, set goals, whatever, right? Um, and But it also ties into this akimasteo metodo, right? It ties into this, we're going to plant some seeds, right? This is how we're going to get the, the, the new year started. Right. It's how we're going to set things. OK. So um, anyway, James, uh, any questions or comments from anybody on this um, on this on this thing up to this point? Look, there's James in his little, little window. Oh. Let's say it's a wee man in the wee corner or in the wee. wee. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, questions, comments. Uh, Lee just threw out uh, Kaizen. I think he was when you referenced the extra piece to the Sanmitsu. It is Kaizen. And if you saw the slide that I put up promoting this episode of Kuden, the kanji that are along the right side, they're the kanji for Kaizen. My very astute student, my young Padawan, where somebody asked me one time, what the hell is a Padoin? They were reading a Star Wars book, right? They got to the word for Padawan, right, and pronounced Padoin. But I also had somebody, anybody knows uh, any of the movies from like the 70s. The 70s were known for like a lot of disaster movies, right? All the airport movies where shit was falling out of the sky and the towering inferno and, and the Poseidon adventure, right, which is a big cruise ship and everything. Big old freaking, you know, tidal wave knocks it over, all that kind of stuff, right? And somebody asked me one time. Have you ever seen this movie, the the the, the poisonin, um, the poisonin adventure? Like poison? What poisonin? What the hell is that? Right? And I look at it. it's Poseidon. It's <laughs> stop moving your letters around. <laughs> anyway, so good. Yeah, no, uh, Kaizen. Yeah, we'll get back on track, right? Kaizen. So uh, yeah. So uh, is that it? That, that's all we have. I noticed we we had a surge in people, and then I must have been boring about. Um, you know, because uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of if, if we translate it and we understand where a term came from, especially we're trying to learn a Japanese manifestation of a Chinese manifestation of back in, you know, India and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't just the philosophy, but the martial systems and all that kind of stuff, right, were inherited. So 
um, it's it's hard enough for us to translate things from Japanese modern times, right? Because the culture is different, the way they think about things is different, and all that kind of stuff, right? But people think that they can, or they assume that they're going to translate things correctly, right? From fucking 500 years ago, 900 years ago, 2,000 years ago. I mean, shit, come on, man. Some people can't even translate what somebody in in, in their own hometown is is describing to them, right? So. But, you know, we can be we can be arrogant enough to believe that we can, you know, translate this other stuff. I just think it's a neat idea to understand where something came from. And if you understand the message it's being conveyed and why, right, it can help us or at least remind us, right, to do things uh, a certain way or to think about what it is that we're saying and what it is that we're doing, right, because it's easy as hell to just come up with a New Year's resolution, right? Why? Well, I've always wanted to lose weight. Why? And how about if we stop using the phrase lose weight because your brain can't get, its, can't get itself wrapped around losing something. And ego is not geared to losing things, right? right? And you can't think about something in the negative Right. Like I'm going to lose weight like it's a positive. Right. So what you're doing now is one losing is a is a problem. Right. Because we're geared for advancement, progress and winning as opposed to losing something. Right. On top of that, weight. Right. So I can't think about. I can't. How the hell do I think about. Losing weight. How about if I think about I want to fit into my 36 uh, waist jeans or I want to, you know, be able to uh, jog for two miles or whatever. Right. That's a goal. That's an advancement kind of thing. Right. And that gets in the way of a lot of folks when they're when they're trying to set their goals. Right. They often describe things in the negative, which keeps them thinking. Right. That's like somebody who wants to quit smoking. Right. You have to think about smoking to think about quitting it. And what they found is that people who focus in the negative think about the problem twice as often as somebody who rephrases it, right? I want to put clean air into my lungs 24-7 as opposed to I want to quit smoking. Your brain can't get, its ra- you can't get wrapped around quitting smoking unless it thinks about smoking first, unless it thinks about the thing that you don't want to be doing, right? Um, they actually found this with like, you know, the, these um, ministers and whatever that, you know, they, they get caught with, you know, they, they're constantly doing sermons on, you know, lust and the seven deadly sins and whatever, right? And then they get busted because they were hiring prostitutes and whatever, right? Well, if you understand the psychology, okay, the fact that they're preaching on it has their head in that game, thinking about those things, way more than the people that are doing it that they're trying to help. So it's even more important or more, um, not dangerous, it's more it's crit- more critical for them to keep their head straight because they run the risk of getting lost faster and, and more deeply. Does that make sense? Right? Because they're talking about it more, right? The more you talk about something, the more your head stays in that, in that realm. Right. Um, it's why on the on the Tibetan Wheel of Life in these six realms, there's a picture 
of a bodhisattva, right? Uh, sometimes it's Kanon, Avelikantivara, for those of you who know Sanskrit, uh, or Jizo, Siddhigarbha, uh, whatever, right? But they're these compassionate uh, bodhisattva that provide the answer for those trapped in that mindset to get out, right? So uh, they have the ability, the skill set of the conscious mindfulness, all that kind of stuff, right? To traverse these realms and not get lost in them so they can help those people who are kind of stuck in those, in those things, right? Um, but it, that still goes back to a lesson that the Buddha had, that even the enlightened ones must continually mind mind. They must continually be mindful of the state of their own mind, lest they, right, backslide, fall back, that kind of thing. So anyway, all right, so akimaste omedidogazaimasu, right? We're talking about planting seeds that are going to, that we're going to sow later, right? About of a harvest, all that kind of stuff, right? So there's this wish, right? Prayer, whatever, that whatever seeds you plant, whatever goals you're setting, I hope that, right, they they come to fruition for you, right? Um, and there's this new opportunity, right? Here's this thing, right? You got a chance to to, to start anew, right? Okay? I mean, how many people... Just within the dojo, we lost a couple of people just before the end of the year that didn't get to, literally didn't get to do a new opening, right? So anyway, but um, in our Mikyo practice, uh, or Mikyo, the practice behind this philosophy, right? There's one section, it's actually the fourth le- fourth level of uh, training and, and, uh, and practice, it's called Goma, right? Uh, originally, old uh, Vedic and all that kind of stuff was called Homa, H-O-M-A, right? So Goma, Homa, whatever, right? So, but it's this, uh, it's, a, it's an active meditation that involves fire and burning away. And, and it, again, it's all symbolic of things, but it's an active meditation. So it's, it, it, it doesn't fall into just idle theory, right? Feel good, woo-woo, whatever, right? So one of these things that we pull out uh, for the New Year's kind of thing, sometimes I do it during our spring camp, fall camp, whatever, uh, to help people set goals and to really get their, you know, things just charged up. I call it New Year's resolutions on on uh, on speed because you're going through the motions, right, symbolically that you're going to end up doing uh, later on, right? Uh, but again, it's it's – I have everybody set a significant goal that they want to achieve or to have, to attain, whatever, right? Um, and we do that in January. But the caveat, the caveat, right? <laughs> the thing is, is that it has to be something that will be accomplished before December 31st of this year, right? And uh, then we go through the, the, the motions, right? So I'll be sending some things out email-wise if you're on our email list and all that. Uh, even if you're not in for, for Dakomiosai for the seminar live or virtual or whatever, um, I'm going to be offering people the opportunity to be on virtually or to come in live, right, just for that hour, hour and a half that we're doing the active meditation on Sunday afternoon um, that they can actually, like, partake of this thing, right, and then – do it. You can do it on your end, or um, I will, you know, fill out your gomaki, your goma stick, and 
put it in the fire and all that kind of stuff, but you can, you know, kind of go through it while you're, while you're watching. I'll be, well, there's, I don't think I've ever done this uh, in the past, but anyway. So, um, but the idea is that you are, you're not just focusing on the goal, but you have to recognize and acknowledge not just the steps necessary to get to the goal, but you're going to have to acknowledge external obstacles that can get in the way. I mean, this is what good strategic planning is about. This is what tacticians are masters of, right? So I have to acknowledge the external things, right? The things that the world can throw at me, family, job, whatever, that could get in the way, that could derail me, right? I'm going to commit myself to making sure that that doesn't happen, right? I'm going to handle those things. Uh, I have to accept the fact that, again, here's that unpackaging, right? Okay. There's character traits and and habits and crap like that that I've got going on that continually derail me because, right, I don't have those things handled, right? And I'm going to commit to making sure that they don't get in the way. Uh, all that kind of stuff, right? So there's this whole process, right? It's a, it's a, it's a symbolic active meditation for going through these different aspects and stages of unpacking, recognizing, committing, right? And planting the seeds, right? You're going to go through the whole process. And at the end of it, you're left with this recognition that now I'm going to go out and do those things I've already done. Literally, ego has recognized that I've already done them, right? So doing them again in the world should be easier because, right, there's less of an unknown. There's less of a bullshit on the thing. The other magic to it, the other part of the fire that's not the actual fire, right, in the fire pit that we're going to be using, right, um, is that you've done it publicly, right? And neuroscience tells us that it's really, really difficult to not do something privately that you've committed to or stated that you would do publicly, right? You want to give yourself a boost, right? Use the second, use the, the word part of, uh, of the Sanmitsu, right? Once you've set a goal, tell everybody. Tell everybody. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, but until then, James, we have any questions, comments, anything like that from, from folks? Uh, Lee just said the game of telephone is centuries old. We have to get it right. Yeah. So, good. Telephone, telephone, telephone. I've never played a game of telephone where things didn't start to get screwed up within the, like, the by the third person in the circle. Right? And if anybody's ever played, if you don't know what it is, it's, you know, old people games. No, you just... You know, you sit people in a circle or whatever, and you come up with something, right? You tell the person next to you, right? Uh, or somebody gives you this thing, right? And so you tell them, right? And then they tell the next person, next person, next person, right? And then by the time it comes back around, the person next to you on this side, whatever they whisper to you should be what's on the paper. It's never what's on the paper. And most of the time, it's not even close, right? Which is why always, always, always verify your information. You verify your sources. You get your information from multiple sources, right? You play the tuning, right? The second level of, of in a ninja family, right? Everybody wants to be the Joe Cool Gainin, right? But Hatsumi Sensei's taught us to be Jonin, 
which this person understands the job of the Chunin and how to do some of that stuff, right? And yeah, there's some of the gaining skills in there, right? But who's the most, um, who is the most expendable member of the family? The gaining. Who has the shortest lifespan? The gaining. The people, everybody, the, the, the person everybody fantasizes about and fantasizes about being um, untouchable, right? Um, indestructible, whatever, right? And yet it's the Jonin, the head person, right? Because no one, there's a couple of field commanders, a couple of Chunin who know, that, know who that person is, right? But no one in public and the Gainin don't even know who their top person is. That's how you live a long time, right? Invisible in the eyes of the enemy. That's actually in the old scrolls, right? As the epitome, right? Invisible in the eyes of the enemy, which means you're not seen as a threat. Nobody would even think that it was you, right? Nobody would even second guess. Take a quick story with that, right? Um, I I truly do believe that I was cut out to be a ninja long before I even knew what the hell that was, okay? Um, I was in high school, probably ninth grade, 10th grade, something like that, right? And I was in this uh, one class. Um, Teacher was teacher was terrible. I don't mean like I was a bad student and, you know, the teacher was the teacher or whatever. I was a straight A student, tried to get along with all my teachers. I really liked, I was one of those weirdos. I really liked school. I liked the education process. I liked learning, right? Um, and I, I'll keep learning until I'm, my brain shuts down, right? Um, really bad. Te- I mean, just, they knew their topic, but man, this person, the, 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 the classroom. I mean, I felt a darkness in the classroom, and I don't mean this in a in a religious or evil way or whatever. It was just, I was just they created one of those environments, right? And um, this, I don't know, this dark part of me came out at one point, and I wrote this poem. And I was an artist back in the day, right? And on the front, I drew a rose. I did it with just pencil. White paper, folded it, kind of like a gift card or, uh, you know, like a greeting card, right? And then I wrote this poem telling them, telling basically them that they were um, not worthy of anything more than the black rose of death. Okay. The next day, because I just left it on the desk on the way out and stuff like that. He was off busy doing something else or whatever. The next day, the class had cleared out, and he asked me to stay. And so I did, and he walks up with this thing, and he goes, can you believe it? Can you believe that somebody – read this. Can you believe that somebody would actually give this to me? Can you believe that somebody would actually be dark enough to write this? And I was worried that I was busted, Right. And he was just talking to me like I was the only student in the class that he could trust to, to tell me how much this had rocked him. Um, and if I could keep my ears out or eyes open or whatever um, and help him find out who would write such a vile thing. Yes, sir, I can do that. No problem. I was the last person he would ever have thought to get the idea. Okay. To understand what makes ninjutsu, what makes a ninja as a warrior different, right? 
And I was always taught that Hatsumi Sensei you know, was teaching us all to be Jonin at this level. Right? Yes, the, the other stuff is you're going to need it. I mean, if somebody physically attacks you, you're going to need these skills. Right? But there's also a level of training that looks very different. Right? It's strategic. It's tactical. Right? I tend to use that kind of stuff. I mean, if I'm not, I mean, obviously, I have a dojo and I have a consulting business and things like that. So I often have to manage people, teams, either my own or ones inside of a corporation that have been assigned to me to work on this thing that, you know, whatever, right? But usually I'm using the tune-in stuff on me, right? Planning, tactical things, strategic thinking, and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but the Jonian stuff, right? Can you operate in a way that, I mean, people know that, you know, I'm a martial artist and all that kind of stuff, right? But it just, it, there's certain things that don't compute, right? I mean, look at all the, num- the number of people that come on to Whiteboard Wednesday or Kuden or whatever, or make comments on videos online or whatever, right? Just this fat old bald guy, right? Why would I listen to you? I can kick your ass. Okay? I'm not a threat. The ones who do want to train for me or train with me or learn from me or whatever, right? I'm sure they see the same thing. Right. But they don't process it the same way. And there's something else going on. OK, so. Anyway. OK, so uh, where did I say I was going to drop off uh, the Sanmitsu? Sanmitsu. Right. OK, so Sanmitsu is uh, conventionally translated. Again, here's this conventional stuff. I got to tell you that the English language translations that you bump into for a lot of this stuff are really, really, really bad translations. Okay? They're just bad translations, right? Sanmitsu is one of those. And I don't mean the word, right? Sanmitsu means san is three, right? Which implies triple, kind of like a sangaku jime, right? Sangaku, right? So we're talking about a three-angled choke, right? What's a, what's a triangle choke, okay? But um, so sanmitsu, three mitsu, right? Um, is secrets, okay? So three secrets, triple secrets, whatever. What's implied is success because in Mikyo, the idea that Sanmitsu is channeling, right? Because we say thought, word, and deed, okay? Again, here's where translations kind of get a little screwy. Deed's okay. Word is okay-ish, right? It's the thought part that gets a little screwy. Okay, so um, what we're really looking at is channeling these three primary aspects of ourselves, right? The internal world, the activity, the action out here, right? And the bridge between the two, right? And what we're doing is setting things up so that they're all going in the same direction, okay? Here's normally what happens. People have one of the three or two of the three, but not three of the three, okay? And here's what that looks like. People have certain thoughts that are going on inside their head, right? Or they have certain intentions or motivations or whatever, okay? Um, or not, right? So you got the lazy person who resents having to work for a living or whatever, right? But they talk like, well, you know, you got to work for a living, right? You got to do something, right? Whatever. And they go to work and things like that, but 
their heart's just not in it because they'd rather lay around on their ass and do nothing and still reap the same rewards. But they don't want people to think about or talk about them like people who actually do that thing. So they work resentfully. That Do you get where this is going? Right? So they talk a good show. They go through the motions, but their heart's not in it, and they're never going to excel. They're never going to be, well, they might be seen, right? But the chance of them being seen as somebody who is worthy of more whatever is just not going to happen because there's always something about the tone of their voice or the amount of work that they, that they uh, do or whatever, right? It's just not, it, it tells on them, okay? So what we're really looking at, and, and here's the, the bad translation, right? Thought is not what we normally think of as thought, right? I'm thinking this through, I'm planning, I, whatever, right? That's actually a part of word, okay? Because you're thinking in words, you're planning, you're designing things, whatever, right? Thought is actually intention. It is the drive, the passion, the beliefs, right? The vision that you have that guides your plans, your words, your descriptions, your communications with others, that kind of thing, right? And then your activity, right? It's how do I know what to do if I don't know what I'm building, right? It's the blueprint, okay? Um, so what we're really looking at is intent, right? If I intend for that thing to happen and for these things to not get in the way, People are going to hear that, right? Because I'm going to be telling certain people, right, how they can help me because they've asked. I'm going to tell other people, right, this is what I need. Can you help me? Yay or nay, right? We're going to somebody else, whatever, right? And I'm going to be telling other people to get the hell out of my way because you're a fucking obstacle, right? I don't have time for this shit, okay? If the intention is right. If the passion is there, right? If the drive is there, if it's if it's there or mm, kind of whatever, right? That's going to reflect too. Okay, well, I can't say that to them because mm, they'll be angry at me. I can't say that to them because they won't be my friend anymore. That, see, here's the reality, right? It's all – I'm not going to use the word game. It's all – it's all a choice. It's all, a, it's all, it's all a balancing act. You can't have something without giving up other things. And to choose certain things, that means that, because you only have finite energy, effort, time, not just in a day, in your damn life, right? So, it's what the hell's a good word for that? Um, not negotiation. What's a trade-off? Um, anyway, the word will come. Sorry, uh, but you get the idea, right? So the intent, the clarity of the vision, all that kind of stuff. That's under thought, right? That's what we're committing to. That's what we're focusing on. That's where the concentration goes, right? 
that's how I know how to design the plan because the plan is to get me from where I am to that picture, to that end game, that goal. Okay. If it's, you know, if you could design out the perfect plan. So word is everything from the plan, the process I'm going to follow or engage in, and the actual words that I'm going to use to communicate with others and myself. Okay. So the reason, one of the reasons that I'm going to tell everybody, right? There's three. One of the reasons I'm going to tell everybody is the one I talked about that neurologists and, and uh, psychologists have found to be true, right? And it's, it's, it's one of those heavy things in neuro-linguistic programming, right? If I can get somebody to commit to something, it's like when I have a mat chat with a student, with a youth student that parents are like, it's not listening, whatever, right? I have a mat chat or an office chat with this, with this young person, right? And I'm not going to tell them what to do, okay? I'm going to give them, sir, I'm going to give them, I'm going to, Use leading questions to lead them to speak how they can solve the problem. Because after the age of five or six, it becomes more and more difficult for leaders, mentors, parents, and all that to get a child to change bad habits. They have to want to do it themselves. So if you can lead that to happen, same thing works for adults, by the way, if you're a leader, team member, whatever, right? Okay. So... What I do is I ask leading questions that get them to come up with the solution on their own because we're more likely to do things that we came up with than that somebody presented and we had to do it, right? Because there's always shit like resentment and whatnot that'll throw that off track, right? Or if they're not looking, I can do whatever the hell I want, right? But also, it's very difficult for us to not do something privately that we committed to publicly, even if I only told one person, right? So the more people I tell, the less likely I am to fail because I, I just tuned all these eyes on me, okay? And we know that the average human being takes more pleasure in the failures of others that proves why, you know, makes them feel okay about not doing things, right? It's why we laugh at people's mistakes. It's why we laugh when people stumble. Right? I don't know what the hell it is, but we're wired for that kind of thing. They take more pleasure in that than they do in their own accomplishment of things. Because that accomplishment only lasts that long. And then now what? You just put all your time, effort, energy, and mindset on accomplishing this thing. And if you've ever done this, right, you accomplish it, but that feeling doesn't last very long. And unless you understand the process and you are prepared, like as soon as I'm within 80% of getting a goal, I've already established another goal farther down the line because this is now a foregone conclusion, right? And I don't want that to wane, so I'm already setting the next thing, right? So, but people wonder why that's, you know, why, why do celebrities commit suicide more than anybody else? Why do they crash and burn because of drugs and all that kind of stuff, right? Same as the rest of us. They've been taught since childhood that when you have all this shit, right, life will be easy. And then they get all that shit, and it's not. Because there was nothing after it. Okay? So, right, next black belt, next black belt, next black belt. But if the belts mean nothing because it was given to you honorarily, what the hell is it that I'm working on? What am I working for? 
right? Unless I'm stroking my ego, what's the point? Right? It needs to be a growth process, right? So anyway, right? So word is, is all this stuff, right? So the first one is in getting pressure, right? It's actually creating a challenge for yourself. Because how many people are going to laugh at you if you fail? How many people are going to think badly of you because you failed? How many people are going to pat you into a pity party? Well, at least you tried, right? It's going to make you feel like shit if you're really geared towards success, right? So it's an, it's an outward in driving motivator. But second reason I tell everybody is because through all the naysayers, right, there may be somebody who has the wherewithal, knowledge, resources, or whatever to go, holy shit, that, that's really cool. I'll help you with that. Or I know a guy. Let me put you in touch with this person. Okay. So another reason for spreading that is to get allies, to get people to help you because you're going to bump into things that you're going to need help to get around or you may not know something that you need to know that's instrumental to getting this, right? Okay. So there's now this, this other thing, right, from that group communication, okay? So one is an internal driver, right? Okay, and it's scary as hell, right? Because most people don't tell others, right? And there's even a there's even a philosophy, right? Don't tell anybody when you're doing things because, right? They're just that's that's saboteurs will come out of the woodwork, okay? But what have you set up ahead of time, okay? Um, so another reason that's really really internal is the more you tell people. Right. Have you ever heard? Have you ever uh, been around somebody that you're probably really, really close to? Could be a spouse, could be a sibling, could be a best friend or whatever, where. If that <laughs> tells that same frickin story one more time, I'm going to choke the life out of them. Right. You've heard the story. Five thousand times. But how many times is the person they're talking to heard the story? Just as once. Okay? But the more you hear the story, your story, your reason, your plan, or whatever, the more it gets seeded. Right? If you're not your own best manager, fan, whatever, good luck in finding one that has your best interest in mind more than you do. And that's another failing that a lot of people have. They expect it because they do everything and they're, they've got this great thing or, or they're trying to help everybody or whatever, that everybody else is going to be on board to the same degree. Nobody can care about your dream or your goal or your vision more than you do. That's not to say that you want to have cheerleaders, but nobody can care about it more than you do. Right? So, but if I repeat this over and over and over and over again, right, you'll not forget it. Right? It just becomes, it's the thing. Right? It's not just this one-off story. New Year's resolutions. I told like five of my closest friends my New Year's resolutions, and every year, right, by the end of January, like I'm back to doing what I was doing before. Well, how about saying it more than five times? Okay. Uh, the third reason for telling everybody, or telling as many people as possible, Right, did I cover three already? Um, 
telling everybody. Right, because you might get AIDS, right? You're not getting AIDS. You get the idea, right? Helpers, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, you are hearing yourself over and over and over again, right? Um, and the other thing is about putting things out in the world, right? Quantum physics is actually proving a lot of this stuff, right? You're putting out vibrational uh, intent, right? And I, don't know, I, I can't tell you the number of times that... I have put things into motion and those things have manifested, but they came from a direction that was not directly in line with what I was doing. Here's an example. Uh, I put out some flyers or run some ads or, um, I don't know, we put out, you know, a bunch of coupons or whatever in a local parade, right? Next thing you know, the phone is ringing at the dojo where people are stopping in to get information to sign up and all that kind of stuff, right? Or students are like I just had a call tonight from a from a mom. Hey, you know my daughter wants to bring a friend from school uh, to class tomorrow. Is that okay? Of course it's okay. Okay, but most of those things that made the phone ring or people come in or whatever had nothing to do. Those people never saw a flyer, never saw the ad, never got a coupon, whatever. Right. So where the hell did these people come from all at the same time? Just because I started this this thing. Right. I started the ball rolling. OK. So I become a believer in. Put this stuff out into the world and it starts to work. It starts to manifest things called the what the law of attraction or whatever, which is not as simple as people make it sound. It's not that it's I have certain intentions which involve getting a certain number of students or whatever. Right. Um, and when I wait on that, you know what? The phone stops ringing as much. People stop asking. People stop walking in. It's just it's just this weird kind of thing, right? So by putting it out there, you actually start to manifest, right? And again, in the Sanmitsu, this the word, right? It doesn't matter if you're writing out the plan, right, or your spoken word, or or your your you know using the, the you know internal thinking and all that kind of stuff. Um, it is the bridge between the internal world and the external world, right? And it gets activities happening, right? Okay. Um, I was fortunate or unfortunate enough to have a Jewish grandfather. This is nothing about Jewish people or anything, right? However, I can tell you that my Jewish grandfather was a master of guilt. Okay. <laughs> just right. It's not just the not just the Jewish grandmas and all that, right? Um, so I learned at a very very early age that I could not state a goal or intention without being asked about that every time I went to visit or every time there was a phone call. You done with that yet? Is that done yet? Should I get started yet? What are you waiting for? What are you stupid? <laughs> All this kind of stuff, right? And then what I found is the older I got and the older he got, that got more intense because then he would add Will it be done before I'm dead? Okay. And then I also learned about the next goal, too, and how whatever is only going to be fleeting. Because when I was probably 10, somewhere between 10 and 12, right, I was an avid reader, uh, usually fiction, right, that kind of stuff, right? And I thought, man, it'd be really cool to write a book, that kind of stuff, right? So one time at Grandpa's house, I said, 
I'm going to be an author. I'm going to write a book. Oh, great. That's cool. Well, he didn't say cool, but anyway, right? Every visit from that time forward. Did you write that book yet? Is it finished? What's it going to be about? Why haven't you started yet? What are you waiting for? Whatever, right? Okay. And then, you know, going to be done before I'm dead, whatever. Okay. Wrote my first book. Gave him a copy. He said, oh, hmm. Thought you were going to write a, bio a biography about me. Well, shit. So if I ever write a biography, it's going to be about my grandfather because his freaking life was just, right? I mean, the, the man hobnob with people that we only ever read about in history books. Pretty cool. But anyway, so I ended up with, you know, some role models and whatnot, but I also had to seek out people because, you know, that planning phase and the doing phase. The other thing I learned about how the Sanmitsu works is um, you should plan to fail the first couple of times out. If you don't, fantastic. But we in the West, because of the Western academic system, have learned to fear failure, right? Because you're getting graded on your homework. You're getting graded on your test, whatever, right? And it's a one and done kind of thing. But what if it wasn't? What if failure on this one, it didn't work out, if I learned to back up and look at it and figure out why it failed and then go back at it again, okay? You know, a redo. Instead of assuming, well, I tried that, it didn't work. So, you know, now I'm going to tell everybody now from the rest, for the rest of my life that tries to do the thing, oh, it doesn't work. It's kind of like, you know, starting in a martial art. And for whatever reason, build or athleticism or whatever, right, that's just not a good fit for you. But what we're going to do is translate that as a, that sucks, it doesn't work whatever, I'm going to tell everybody else to steer away from that thing because it doesn't work. When the reality was it didn't work for me or I didn't give it a long enough chance or, 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 or you get the idea, right? Okay. An activity is just doing what needs to be done, right? Whether you like it or not. Because another big fallacy that people have is that they're supposed to be happy. Like all the time. Like a utopia kind of thing. Right? Well, <laughs> one of the most eye-opening moments I had with a teacher, which then coincidentally he told me that he had the same moment with his teacher, was um, he was doing this little lesson with me, my Mikio teacher was doing this lesson, and he was pointing out in, in Mikio, right, there's this whole idea that everything changes, right? There is no enduring happiness, right, which runs contrary to the um, know the truth and it shall set you free, right? No, not right. Most people translate that as if I know the truth, then everything will be, you know, rainbows and unicorn farts. Okay? Except that that's not true. If you know the truth, what you get set free from is all the dumb shit that you used to try to follow and get things done with that it's not, it's broken or it's, you're misinformed or you're uninformed or whatever. Right? It breaks you free of doing unenlightened thoughts, words, and deeds, okay? So anyway, the Sanmitsu is really about how to, how to set goals, right? You see it, like as, as real as you can see it in your mind's eye. 
I had, a, I had a teacher once that says, if you, if you can't see it in your head and you can't write it down and describe it, how the hell will you recognize it when it appears in front of you in the world? Right? So you see it to the greatest degree possible. Right? Knowing that it's going to be imperfect, but clear vision. Right? And then you write it out. Right? And you write it out with one very, very important piece that most people miss. You add a deadline because the rule of time management is that something will always take 20% longer or take 20% more in the way of resources or energy or whatever than you plan for. Because most people don't plan for obstacles. They plan for perfection, like merely wanting this to be true. And therefore it must be because I exist. Right? So we see it in our mind. We describe it in writing because writing is the active act, the active part of thinking, which is why it's always better to write something out with your hand, pen, pencil, marker, crayon, blood, I don't care, than it is to use a technological device because it's not the same. 25% at, at minimum of your mindset is making sure the technology is working while you're typing things out. Write it. Okay? And attach a deadline. Okay? So, Sanmitsu thought intention, right? Vision, intention, leads to word, planning, communication, all that kind of stuff, right? Anything that has to do with word. Research, gaining more knowledge, whatever else is, is necessary, right? Has to go under the plan, right? And then deed, carrying out the plan. Whether you like the steps or not, if they are instrumental, if they are germane, if they are critical to actually active, actualizing the, the goal, nobody ever said you had to like it, which, by the way, is a new T-shirt that's coming out um, uh, on our online store, WCI Dragon's Den, if you haven't been there, right? Um, we finally got one up with one that I've wanted to have for a long time that says, hi, I'm a really nice person, learning to be cruel, vicious, mean, and nasty. And on the back it says, can I practice on you, right? But the new one is going to say, nobody ever said you had to like it, okay? If it's instrumental in getting it done, right? Tonight during testing at the dojo, guys in Mod 4 were doing sitting inside break falls. I said, why do we teach that? Well, because you might get knocked down. How? How might you get knocked down? Well, my leg might get swept out from under me. Thank you very much. Pass that part of your test. Okay? And the angle that I'm at when the person is doing whatever they're doing, right? These are also attacks. So the counterbalancing, the counterbalancing leg might not be a counterbalancing leg because I'm not being knocked down. I choose to drop down while kicking their leg out from under them or whatever as I go. Okay? So it's both proactive and it's also responsive. So anyway, right? But the question is, why? It's not just in there because we want to make it difficult on you getting your next belt level, right? It's accounting for certain potentials, certain possibilities in an attack scenario. If you don't have it, well, I don't really like rolling. Nobody, who cares? Okay? You care, right? But nobody else cares. The attacker is hoping you don't freaking have these skills. Awesome. Thank you for 
not being prepared for me. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, but anyway, right? So you're planning this stuff out, and then you have to you, you have to carry it out, right? But also plan for it to not to go perfectly, because when you set the goal, when you had the vision, all that, there's probably some things that you didn't account for, you didn't know about, right? Uh, right? Who knew that for two years I'd be thrown off of of certain things that I had planned and wanted to do because the world was shut down because of COVID, right? Who knew? So I can't work that into my plans, but my adaptive nature allowed me to do, continue to work on things. I don't just stop because this thing happened. Oh, shit, I guess I'm not going to Japan this year. Well, does that mean that these other things that are a part of the next time I go can't be in place, right? That two years took me out of training with Hatsumi Sensei. Now he's retired. He's in a freaking rest home, right? So does that mean that, well, I should just stop training? I should just, you know, what? No, there's, wow, okay? But people tend to get their head wrapped around a one-and-done kind of thing. And, you know, if you're really success-driven, right, you need to remember the Japanese phrase, nanakorobi yaoki. Nana Kurobi Yaoki. Nana seven. Kurobi, right? Down. Ya is an old way to say eight, right? And Oki is up. Okay? So seven down, eight up. Okay? It's not about the numbers. It's about standing up one more time than you get knocked down. Okay? It's the formula for success. Okay? But that implies. You're going to fall down a whole lot. You're going to stumble. And if that's already a part of your knowledge and a part of your process, it's not going to slow. It's not going to slow you down. Okay? Well, it may slow you down, but that's why we do reviews, which leads us to the next stage. But before we talk about that, James, questions, comments, complaints. Oh, the only thing was, is Lee said his reference to the game of telephone was for the Japanese, Chinese, Tibetan path of the knowledge. Oh, fair enough. Tibetan yeah, which is um, actually in Shingon uh, Mikyo, uh, which traces back to the Chinese school. I'm, I'm connected through Tendai, so I have some Shingon teachings and lessons but I'm not as immersed in that history and all that kind of stuff, right? But the Chinese and earlier Indian schools that that's attached to, right? Um, the first mantra that a student has to learn, I believe, is called the Morning Star Mantra. And the only purpose of that mantra, now, it's supposed to wake up certain parts of your brain and all that kind of stuff, but they're all connected to memory, okay? Because remember, it was an oral, then written tradition. But prior to the Tibetans and the old teachers and whatnot running into Western science and learning about these things, right? Those of you on audio only, I'm pointing at my glasses, glasses, contacts, whatever, right? It's just a fact of life that your vision was going to fail. So even having access to the scrolls, the written stuff and all that, right? You still had to have the memory because you had to be able to do the mantra, the active meditations, all that kind of stuff, right? Even if you couldn't read off of the scroll or the densho 
for the, the wooden plaque that they use in Tibet, those kind of things, right? So the Morning Star meditation was to hone your memory faculties for the memorization of all other sutras and mantra to follow. So it was already worked in because the enlightened mind already took into account something that was naturally going to take place in your life. You're going to lose your, your sense of sight and then your sense of reading, right? Or your, your ability to read. Kind of reminds me of the story by Ray Bradbury, Fahrenheit 451, right? Where the firemen literally came around and started fires, right? Because books became illegal and all that kind of stuff, right? Wouldn't want an, education, an educated public, right? And what you want are people that skim headlines and assume or just take your word as gospel. They don't trust you on one hand, but they're going to believe you because you wrote it. Interesting, huh? Anyway, but they would come around. If people had books or whatever, you broke the law, they'd come and freaking torch them, right? So there's this whole splinter society that was growing where these people would run off to the woods or whatever, or they would hide or whatever, right? And so what ended up happening was these people ended up memorizing a book or books, and to pass it on to the next generation, they would simply speak it instead of reading it aloud. Right. It's the same idea. OK, so um, kind of like those of us who have learned the kata or learned the art of the principles or whatever. Right. The body has to be a walking, talking encyclopedia of these things. Right. Um, so that it can be passed on correctly. OK, so anyway. Um, OK, so that's the sign Mitsu, right, which is kind of our, our leaping on point to. Uh, Kaizen, which is like the Sanmitsu with a piece. But before I go into that, um, what I want to do is take a look at this. This On the slide, I had review, redos, and next steps. Okay? So start to tie some of this stuff together. Akimaste, omede do gozaimasu, right? So we're pointing to seeds that you're planting. It well wishes for, I hope, I hope you're successful. I, I really, really do. And if I can ever help, if I can, right? And, you know, it... It's not a user use of use kind of thing going on. Then I'd be more than more than happy to help. Um, and then the uh, uh, Akimaste, right? Here's this this opening, right? Again, I talked about opening the the, the box and whatnot, right? So to do the Sanmitsu, to do this thing, we're going to be leading into, right? Requires some review, right? Now that review. Maybe I'm working on the same goal. It's a it's a big thing, right? And it's going to take more than a year. It's going to take whatever, right? Maybe it wasn't going to take more than a year, but here I am, right? I'm still dreaming about taking the art or training. I'm still, you know, uh, still telling everybody and myself, I need to get back to training sometime, right? I, I really need to do that or, or whatever it is, right? So maybe it's a, a stock in you know, here's where I am at this point with this particular goal that I'm working on, right? So, okay, great. What's still left to be done? That, that kind of thing, right? So it's kind of an assessment kind of thing, right? Um, review could be a taking stock in. Look, dude, right? Are you going to continue talking about it or are you going to do it? If you're going to do it, right, what do you need to, what, what needs to be handled, right? What's in the way? I talk about this every once in a while when I talk about our life discover our life purpose discovery process, right? It's probably one of the 
smallest, shortest programs that we have, right, James? Right? But it can take people the longest to go through. Or they'll breeze through it and it's not even close. And it's the reason why they're not getting anywhere, right? It becomes what in law is called void for vagueness, right? Just they're just bullshitting themselves, right? They they can't think of anything else, so they just anyway. So, so but there's an exercise in that um, that looks at goal achievement from the perspective of eliminating the hindrances to the goal. Instead of trying to achieve something and constantly spinning your wheels and then playing the blame game, they're the reason, that's the reason, whatever, that I can't, right? This whole exercise is about, okay, here's this thing, right? What do you think is preventing that from happening? So you write it out. And then you actively work on eliminating or reducing those things that are inhibiting that from happening. And if you're right, then the state or the goal or whatever that you want should happen automatically because you've removed the, the, the limitations. Or it should be, like, so easy to get because you've removed those things, right? Because if you've really been working on it, working, 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 right, and these other things keep getting in the way, and they're the reason you can't, then by eliminating those things, if I'm actually doing the right things, it should automatically produce it, okay? It's kind of a inside out way of looking at things it's it's really um, counterintuitive because people think about doing to make something happen right but if i'm trying to build a birdhouse and i got the wood and i got the the nails and all that but somebody keeps stealing my damn hammer right then i should just like go slap the shit out of that person they stop stealing my hammer now i can build my birdhouse right because i have everything but if i'm blaming this person because they keep taking my hammer but then I do that, and I get my hammer, and then I realize, shit, I never bought nails. Uh, so maybe that was part of the reason, but maybe you weren't as prepared as you thought you were anyway, right? Because you have to face some of that stuff, right? So, again, there's this counterintuitive kind of thing that goes on, right? But by doing this unboxing and this review, right, again, Western academics – Pass, fail, do, whatever, right? So one and done. I've got this one friend that that if everything can't be the way they envision, first off, right? Like if we're prioritizing and we have only so much in the way of resources or whatever, right? Here's what we can get done now. Let's get this functional. And then down the line, we can come back in and do this other thing. No, no, no. If we can't do it now, then it's not going to get done. Holy shit. Why bother? Why, why bother doing the whole project at all? If it can't be the perfect thing right up front, right? So, right? Um, so there's this idea of the redo. And I'm a big fan, right, of the cosmic redo, right? Um, I don't care if it's whether you graduate from high school and there are all these kind of challenges, right? You were in a certain class of students. You were in a certain clique or whatever, right? Okay? Going off to college or leaving school and, you know, I went in the military, other people do whatever, right? It wasn't until years later that I realized what a gift that was because it was this huge redo. All of the the perceptions that people had of me, all the name calling, challenges, whatever, right? This new group 
had no idea, right? So I could change my personality traits or my character traits or start working through new habit patterns that I wanted to have, and they knew no different. I had nobody back here who could go, well, yeah, but you're still that guy. You get the idea, right? So redos are not a bad thing. Also, by reviewing where we came from, you know, whatever, we look at this goal, and instead of looking at it like, man, this is never going to happen. If I start digging through and go, well, okay, what if I change the way I talk about it? What if I change this part of the plan? What if I back up a little bit here and come at it from this direction, right? A redo. Okay. What's that going to produce? Right. Well, that get me closer. Okay. Sometimes you got to drop friends or closer. Right. I, I I believe in the, I believe in the closest to family, but I've detached myself from family members that are energy sucks. Okay. Or I'll only visit them when there's a family reunion, because to keep my mind around the way they communicate and their pessimistic view and their bullshit and all that kind of stuff that you're, you're bound to get swallowed up by that kind of stuff. Right. So you build a new support group or you get involved in a new support group, whatever. Right. Ideally what you're looking for and, and psychologists have figured this out. Ideally what you're looking for is to set things up and to be in a group where you're in the top 25%. You never want to be in the top one or 10% of any given group, okay? Because that's a sign that you need to be in a different group because now you're not going to be challenged anymore. You're the top person in the room, which sounds great, except that you can't grow from there. And everybody else will be pulling at you or taking time or whatever. And it's not that you're not going to be giving time. That's great, right? But you can give time to a group while you're positioned in a growth position in another group. Okay, so but by being in the top 25% of any given group, you're going to be growing okay? because you're in the top percentile, right? You're you're working with people that are working. Okay, but if you start outpacing them, you'd better start looking for another group where you're going to be at the 50% to 75%, right? That 50 to 25% top group, top of half growing toward the top quarter. Okay. Because that's where you're gonna that's that's where the that's where the movers and achievers are. Okay. So anyway, um, so the redo, never underestimate the, the idea of a redo. Okay. The the number of people that have bad relationships, I don't care if it's marriage for divorce or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, I don't care. Okay. Ninety percent of them end up in relationships that are almost carbon copies of the previous ones. Because they didn't reevaluate, they didn't take accountability for things that they did wrong, whether it was insight, view, belief system, their own actions, whatever, right? They don't think about what it is that they really want and what they don't want, right? And then use that to help to make better decisions moving forward from a more enlightened perspective, right? And so they end up in the same place. Right? Or because they don't change as a, as a person, 
they're still attractive to and attracting the same types of friends and partners and whatnot, right? You, you can't get something different by being the same. I know we wish for that, but that's laziness, right? Or we've assumed ourselves God, right? I'm perfect. Why do they keep being the same? Because they feel comfortable around you. What was that thing we always say, right? Show me your five closest friends, right? You're the average of that, right? Show me your friends. I'll show you your future, that kind of stuff, right? So why, that's why in, in Buddhism or in Mikyo or whatever, we have the Sangha, right? The community of fellow practitioners. That's why the dojo community, right? I get it being a solo student and all that kind of stuff, right? But there's power in numbers. There's this community of fellow travelers, adventurers, whatever, right? Practitioners that are facing the same or similar problems, right? They've got the same uphill climb. Right. They've got this, but they also have the same goals, visions and all that kind of stuff. Right. And they're everybody's there to collectively support everybody else to move forward. Right. It's collective energy. Right. So. Right. I mean, ultimately, and, and here's where the balance comes in. Ultimately, you have you are the lone wolf. You have to do it for yourself. Right. But by being in a group, even if it's virtual, I mean, my students have have peers all over the planet, right? So, but by being in a collective group, you've got a support network of people who understand and they all have different skill sets and different uh, different levels of knowledge and, and experience or whatever in different areas that you don't, that you can call on. It's like being surrounded or part of a living library. It's a cool thing, right? Without falling into who knows, discipleship or groupie or whatever, right? So you're an independent part. Of a group, right? You're doing things, you can only do it for yourself, but you've got this this support network. That's a pretty cool thing. So reviewing, we can't move forward until we reviewed where we are, right? What's holding us back? What, what what do we still need to do? What habits, whatever, what is in our immediate environment that keeps derailing us and it's probably going to derail us again? I mean, this is the stuff we're going to go through in that GOMA active meditation kind of thing. So um, hopefully, even if you can't make it in for uh, for Dichomiosite, you can at least jump on that because the number of students that I've had that have done that and set goals for themselves that they when they set the goal, there was a part of their brain going, what are you, freaking nuts? How is this ever going to happen? And in less than that time they gave themselves, it materialized. And I love when people come back and go, you know that thing we did in January? Holy shit. Like, as soon as I started working on it, like, all this extra stuff that just seemed like it was coincidence just kept, like, and here I am. Yeah? Everything from, like, you know, business success all the way to, I uh, had a student who asked me to be a uh, groomsman in his wedding on Togakushi Mountain, on Togakure Mountain in Japan. It was September, and he told me that that was his GOMA goal that January, and he had no idea. The money wasn't there, just started a new job. 
all kind, there were all kinds of impediments in the way he had no idea how it was going to happen, but he just worked the process. Nine months later, he was not only telling me a story, but, right, so cool stuff. Anyway, um, so the Japanese have this, this system, right? It was, it was part of what in, in the uh, Western business world came to be known as TQM, total quality management, right? But it's based on this process that's Japanese, right? Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N. Kaizen, the kanji for Kaizen means something like good change. But what it points to is constant and never-ending improvement, right? It's this process. So if we take the Sanmitsu, thought, word, deed, right? So we envision something, we write it out, we plan, we communicate, we design, whatever, right? And we go into action to work the plan. All Kaizen does is because that looks linear, right? Thought, word, deed. For those of you visual, you can see me doing this. Audio, right? Just think, you know, step one, step two, step three. Kind of in a top-down kind of thing or bottom-up. I don't care, right? But if we put this in a circle or a square or whatever, right, what we have is this cycle now. So we go from a linear perspective to a cyclic perspective, hmm, much like the way the Kongo Kai Mandala is laid out, right? So we're going to... Establish the goal, plant the seed, whatever, right? Um, envision it. We're going to write it out, create the deadline, do the do. But every once in a while, hey, look, we got a new year to start, right? We're going to review. And that's the fourth step in the Kaizen process. We're going to review. Every once in a while, we're going to schedule in a review stage. Where are we, right? How closer are we to something that it's a foregone conclusion? We can now plan something else because those, the time, effort, resources, manpower, whatever that was going to be necessary for this thing is going to be waning because it's almost done. We can now allot that for something else, right? Um, whatever, right? Or what maybe goals have changed. Maybe we ran into something and we realized, you know what, this other thing over here is a better opportunity. So let's just, you know, let Stop holding on to that, right? We're going to move over here, right? So it's something different, right? Um, or um, we're going to need to back up here and redo this because we didn't realize that we we're going to run into these problems or we needed these other things that we didn't account for. So let's back up. We're going to pull those things in, and then we're going to restart. We're going to redo that thing, okay? Uh, whatever, right? Or... I really haven't done shit, so it's time I sit down and freaking start, right? whatever it is, right? So here's this review thing, right? Where are we with any given goal in the process, right? Is this going to take longer to finish than we thought it was going to, right? Is this a people problem, a system problem, uh, an ignorance problem? <laughs> what, what, where, where does the problem lie, right? You can't fix I don't know. Okay? So there's this review stage, right? And that's really what Kaizen is. It's Sanmitsu plus a review stage. Okay? And then, based on that review, that's going to alter or create a new vision, isn't it, for each, each individual goal. And then you're going to alter 
redo or lay out the plan to actualize that goal, dream, vision, whatever, and then you're going to go into action. You're going to give it a certain amount of time. You're going to do a review stage. I would highly recommend it with some goals. You know, once a year is enough. For other ones, once a week. Okay? That's what I do with enrollment stuff at the school. Okay? Right? So, but anyway, I'm just moving along, right? Um, and then you just keep going from there, right? So, the, the, the title, right, of this, of this episode was what? It was review, redo, next steps. How do you know what your next steps will be if you haven't reviewed, if you haven't figured out, right? Is this a doing thing? Do I need to read it? Whatever, right? And being okay with redos. I mean, come on, right? Otherwise, you're just like everybody else is like, well, if I can't, if I'm not guaranteed success, why even bother? Well, can I offer you a drive-up window, right? Where everybody else will do the work and all you have to do is order a number nine. Number nine, pay the pay and eat your whopper, whatever. And then be dissatisfied with that because you wished it was a T-bone steak, right? So certain personalities and certain mental states um, feed themselves, right? So anyway, um, but next steps, what are next steps? Right? Well, that's where I'm going to leave this one open. Okay? What are your next steps? I challenge you to work the process that is timeless. This has been working for people for hundreds of thousands of years. And I know people are going to go, well, the lineages were only 900 years old. No, they're not. They're closer to 2,000 years old. Just because you're dating it starting in Japan doesn't mean that that's where it started. Okay? And that stuff is supported by other stuff that came before it. Okay? So our philosophy, our philosophical stuff, like the Mikyo stuff, <laughs> is way older than 2,500 years old. Okay? We're talking about tens of thousands of years old. Back to the Vedas, the Upanishads, that kind of stuff, the Vedic systems, right? Cool stuff. Anyway, but next steps. You're going to take next steps anyway, regardless. The question is, are you going to take next steps that are exactly identical to what got you here or what got you wherever six days, six months, six years ago that just keep walking the same path, like being on one of those tracks at a, at a high school? Right? For track and field? It's just noble. You just keep walking the same track, wondering why nothing changes? Well, it's changing. You're just wearing your sneakers thin and, you know, a, a freaking rut in the track, right? But what's, what, what is next? Okay. So that's the, and you don't, don't tell me, don't write it out or whatever on here, right? This is something you have to solve for you. It's like algebra, right? Solve for X. Your X. Your future is X. Your level of success, your level of skill, your level of achievement, your level of happiness. You, that's what you're solving for. So for everybody that thought that algebra doesn't work, right? maybe it's just a, an analogy. You're solving for an unknown, but you're in control. So that's the challenge. The challenge is know 
where you want to go, find out what you need, put a plan together to get there, tell as many freaking people as possible so that you might end up with some help through all the naysayers or through all the people that roll their eyes or go, another plan, huh? Right. Or, well, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too, man. You need to like grow up and, and like, you know, be realistic. Oh, I've seen you're realistic. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for being a negative role model for me. Okay. Um, so that you can hear it again and again. Right. Communicate it and then do what the hell needs to be done. But don't forget to stop every once in a while and review. Lest you keep running in circles, lest you keep shutting yourself down, lest you let other people who have given up on their dreams way long before you did, right? That's the challenge. The next steps are the challenge. What is your next step? Okay, so without actually answering that for me, unless you want to, James, questions, comments, complaints, whatever, before we wrap this up. couple comments from Lee. Uh, the process creates the guarantee. Change the process, change the outcome. And the QDEN has helped me where the rubber meets the road. Thank you. Oh, well, you're welcome. Where the rubber meets the road. I think so. I think a lot of people are like those teenagers who like to sit in the parking lot, rev the engine, and get the wheels spinning, create a whole bunch of smoke, maybe risk blowing out the tires, but won't take their foot off the brake because they are afraid of what will happen when they like let let loose. But the whole the whole goal is to impress everybody by what cooking your tires down to nothing, right? There's a whole bunch of cool stuff going on, but it doesn't get you anywhere. But that was that was the goal, right? Impress everybody else. That's like when you when you when when most people confuse rich with wealthy, right? Does any does anybody here really understand the gravity of or the reality of Warren Buffett, right? One of the richest men on the planet, still living in a three bedroom house that was built in 1949. And drives like a regular sedan, right? Does not dress in silk suits, silk suits or anything like that, okay? And he has more money than he could ever spend. And how that is vastly different from people that ever, that you would look at and go, oh my God, they're rich because they're driving a BMW or a Lamborghini and they've got a Rolex watch and whatever. But what you don't realize is that this person can't stop moving and making money because they have themselves burnt to the hilt and it's all for show. They have nothing in reserve. They can't help anything or anybody else out in the world because they keep buying shit. Yeah, they're making a lot of money, but they have wealth is what's left over between what you make and the bills being paid. That's that's the wealth part. But if you keep buying shit because it's shiny and it makes you feel rich, 
It's like people that keep running around seminars and they run they buy all kinds of stuff and everything. They don't train for shit or they train half-assed. Right? I'm not gonna knock any, I'm not gonna knock anybody online or whatever, but I see their videos. Great. Okay? At least you're doing something. But how can you have been training for this long and your sword drawing or your kamai or whatever still looks like that? Well, because there's rules online that like nobody's allowed to like fix things. They're just supposed to say, good form, dude. Or they get booted off the page. Or they don't know any fucking better either. Right? And Kamai's seen as a stance instead of what it's supposed to be. And whatever. Okay? I get it. You learn some stuff. When's it going to change? When's it going to get upgraded? Still the same. Anyway. Uh, anything else? Uh, one other one from Robert Spang. He said, keep up the good work. Okay. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. I'm hoping I'm I'm hoping to get back started with uh with our gun courses and all that kind of stuff and maybe some survival things after the uh after the winter thing is done. So hopefully we can still use uh the uh the range and, and the, the, the property up there that you've been so gracious with along the way. Uh, I know I've got people asking about things, so hopefully we can get back to that now that there's some kind of normalcy going on. Anyway, all right, so cool beans. Um James, anything else? Anything that you can think of that I forgot? Because you know, you keep me on track. He's my rock. <laughs> ah, shit. Anyway, I don't think so. All right. Okay, guys. So welcome to 2023. Right. Um, let's let's do this. Right. Uh, again, if I can be of help, great. If not, no harm, no foul. Hopefully these. Uh, these kudens and the whiteboard Wednesdays and all that are a lot, which that reminds me of something I was definitely going to say. Okay. You have to understand that when you're starting out, quantity trumps quality, right? The number of times that James and I or my team or whatever have had to make a decision over like, do we roll this thing out? Right. Do we produce all these videos? Do we do this thing that we're doing? Even though, like the internet could be upgraded or whatever. Yeah, but we're not there yet, right? The, the, the amount of revenue coming in or whatever doesn't justify this big thing or buying like five, ten thousand $10,000 worth of equipment and all that that people keep waiting around for. You know what? It's just, right, the number of videos out, the number of all that kind of stuff, watching uh, YouTube um, uh, watch hours and all that kind of stuff go up. It's not a vanity thing, right? We got to get from we just crested 2,900 watch hours in the last 12 months, right? We need to get to 4,000 because before it unlocks certain features that we could really use to get more to, to create more impact, right? So we're managing, engaging things. So that review thing, right? We're looking at things weekly. We're looking at things, um, you know, on a regular basis, right? Because we're there's a point we need to get to so we can do the next thing right so everything has these little micromanagement kind of things it's the same thing with number of students and how that will produce a certain number of coaches and or instructors in the dojo and how we can grow beyond that and how i can get to a position where i can spend more time and more um more uh 
it's just more time, right? Um, with this inner circle group and, and people that, um, they deserve more. They deserve more from me. And I don't mean time, but lessons that they need for other areas. And I can teach other things that I haven't taught in a long time because I got bogged down with kind of, you know, running in circles. And it's not about I don't want to teach new people or whatever, right? But the more time I put into the new folks, the less time and, and energy and all that is available for the people that have supported me and gotten to a certain point in their training that if I don't get to, to giving them what they need and pushing them and, and spending all that extra time, right, they're going to end up stagnating. And at that point, they really should go find somebody else that is able to get them to that next point, right? So this is all a process. This, this, the dojo, everything, it's a living organism, right? And it, there's, it, there's certain needs, right? But if I don't stay on top of that, if I don't keep moving in the direction of this vision that I have to make things happen, if I don't take my next steps, right? And Kuden and, and Whiteboard Wednesday and all that, are parts of these next steps, right? But again, there's only so many things that I can do, right? Well, I mean, there's so many things that we're not doing now that we need a team to do, right? Uh, processing the videos and all that kind of stuff so I and James don't have to keep doing all the freaking um, task work that we can get onto the next piece and the next piece, right? So that everybody has the support they need and, and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, there's, so um, I just, my next steps are have to, have to be in that direction, right? Um, James, you've already taken next steps even before the new year started, but now that's going to allow you to do the things that will right. produce more and better results, right? So redos are a freaking beautiful thing, right? <laughs> anyway, all right. So um, again, that's it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone. Um, I'll talk to everybody again next week. Uh, if you have any topic requests, if you, there's uh, subjects or, or whatever that you want us to cover. Now, the only one that I have set in stone is toward the end of the month, uh, we're doing a quote-unquote Chinese, Asian-esque uh, New Year's party um, to kind of fit that cultural kind of thing, and I can teach more at the academy. Um, but during that time, you know, while I'll, I'll go into some other things, uh, that are related to that, I have a topic set for that kind of, um, that time, right? But otherwise, right, if there's things that you want me to teach on or cover or whatever during Kuden and it fits the format, by all means ask. If it doesn't fit that format, maybe it'll be a good topic for Whiteboard Wednesday, right, or something like that. So by all means, get these things in. Um, James and I are, are looking at these things, usually not at the same time, but if we catch it and, and there's a topic and they'll fit, by all means, if you guys are in my inner circle thing, you already know how that works. So, right, pull out the stops and, and let's make this let's make this work. There, are, man, the number of the, the number of topics that I would not teach openly, but to my inner inner circle um, and my really high end guys. <laughs> and there's reason I wouldn't teach it openly because uh, there's just too much too great of a chance for people to abuse that stuff, but. And, but it's the stuff that everybody asks for, you know. Do you, do you teach explosives and stuff uh, openly? No. Do I teach it? 
depends on who, who's, you know, who's ready for it, that I can trust that they're not going to do dumb shit because that dumb shit leads back to me. And, you know, so I have to be careful. Anyway, um, so if you have things, get those things in, right? So um, I'm not trying to figure this stuff out. Oh, see, I'm changing color. No, I was painting today, so trying to get the house um, where it needs to be so we can recover from this shit that, again, I didn't see coming, but I am adapting to and see what kind of uh, legal things somebody else has to deal with. All right, that's it. Uh, talk to everybody again next time. Be safe. Train hard. Welcome to 2023. Talk to you again next time. Get more of Kudan Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.